Rebecca. And I'm Sean. And we We are are the Blanchers. This podcast was created to be a safe place where we discuss topics regarding faith, love, family, marriage, and everything in between through the perspective of an interracial blended couple focused on ministry and mental health. No topic is off limits. We're about to have a dog conversation through the eyes of a Latina scholar, life coach, mother, and wife. Along with the perspective of a black king, engineer, entrepreneur, father, and husband. We're about to take brown and black excellence to a whole new level. Family Unlocked starts now. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for attending our episode number two. Is it attending? I think, yeah, attending sounds fine. Showing up, being a part, being invited, <laughs> participating, to, participating, coming back, coming to the, the barbecue, whatever terminology you want to use. Barbecue. Oh, don't get me started about barbecues. Yes. Black barbecues and brown barbecues were so different. They are. Very They're much. so different. The one I went to that was memorable for me was they like cooked the whole pig. <laughs> Like Hawaiian style, like they dug a hole in it. No, it was actually, they skewered the pig, right? And then like roasted, roasted it. it. Yeah. That was my compas. And didn't we have mariachis there too that day? I believe so. It was a, an experience for me. <laughs> That's all I can say. It was experience. wonderful. I've never been to such an amazing barbecue. All our barbecues are amazing. I've never been to a barbecue where they like, we have, you know, we take portions of the pig, you know, you know, it has some bacon oh uh-huh. and some other stuff like that. You know, we don't take the whole... <laughs> pig the whole <laughs> the whole you know kid and caboodle miss piggy was like right on there <laughs> the funny part is like the pig came from their ranch they're like oh yeah we ra-. and there was a little goat yeah there's a goat running around in their backyard john was like a goat I'm like yeah yeah it, like it definitely was a, it's a problem it was interesting i don't see a problem and erica according to erica she every black barbecue barbecue <laughs> she go to is everything tastes everything like sugar is sweet everything, everything is, is sugar, sugar. Baked beans, the barbecue ribs, the barbecue chicken. She's like, everything. oh, what the is this? potato salad, the macaroni salad. Everything was Green. sweet. She was like, I was this? like oh, can this? I just get a tortilla what for the love of God? Amazing taste in on the greens. I was, like was like, everything sounds sugar. amazing. Like I said, it's all brown sugar. Brown sugar sprinkled no, on the I don't think the greens taste like sugar. No, but it's an exaggeration. I think it was only the greens and the macaroni and cheese that was tolerable for me <laughs> no it was good it was good just we had like back to back to back and i just wanted some tortilla and salsa at the end of the day i just wanted something that wasn't gonna give me a headache from all the shit <laughs> just kidding. it's interesting because i'm used to that when i go to you know any barbecue but I, even when we go to you know barbecues that are predominantly you know latino like i can find sugar anywhere <laughs> Somebody knows it's not a big thing for me. I'm like, we usually have it in our drinks. Yeah. Like, our soda is super sweet. Like, we have like Coca Cola that's straight from sugar cane. And then we have our horchata and we have our Jamaica. Everything is sugar, sugar with that. But we're typically more savory. So, I don't know. Yeah. It's banging into my, my barbecues. And we mix it. Then we're When we're home, we'll have like. We'll have everything a combination is, of stuff, uh-huh. yeah. So we'll, everything else. Well, like recently each. we had uh, pozole. And, and then I made banana pudding, pudding just banana to make pudding. it balance. No. <laughs> yeah. It's like got to have that sugar element in there. But we do we do a good job, especially with the kids. The kids, you know, our, our younger ones are, we try to get them to be more cultured and get them to interact with. They are very Americanized and what they want and what they get to eat. So now, you know, I think the one thing we know that they eat now is 
chips and guacamole and chips and salsa. Oh, they love like chips and guacamole and sour cream and they like corn, corn with the or Mexican corn. Yeah, they like certain things and they enjoy both. They do enjoy both. They probably like mine on my side a little bit better. Uh, probably a hundred percent. They love everything about daddy's side of the family. They do, and I think that's amazing for me at least because our children do look what we hear mostly is like they look a lot more Mexican. I don't know how, what they're supposed to be looking like, but I wanted them to embrace that part, the beautiful black side. So we taught them that they're, you know, they're African-American, they're black. They, um, what does dad identify as? Dad identifies as black. And where does grandpa come from? And where does grandma come from? And so that was really important for me because I wanted to identify with that because I felt like, they were going to be able to identify through with the Mexican side easier. Yeah. Well, I think like you mentioned, because of their, because of the, the way they look to me, they look, you know, I mean, I see both, you know, in, in both of them, they'd be like, you know, Hey, just a disclaimer. I remember going to Bible way and a lot of our friends would ask when their melanin was going to come in. Oh, it kicks in. Especially, especially in the summertime. I mean, now. Yeah. And now they, I mean, you can tell they're mixed. But in the beginning, it was a little... They were very it was, yeah, fair they were, skin. Very they were, fair skin. Very, very fair skin. Everybody pinpointed the hair part and yeah. had curly hair, but it was really soft. And- That's a story in itself, which I think was hilarious because in my mind, I had it that... So when they were babies, you know, we were like, look, they're going to have like nice curly hair and it's going to just like fall, lay down, so fall. So pl- Man, they had just afros. <laughs> they had straight afros that never quite fail, you know, but their hair is curly. And especially if you get it wet, it's nice and curly. They got that, you know, that good S curl going, you know, that good texture like that, but it never quite dropped. So that's another topic. It's very interesting about this is because they're asking questions like, how come my hair is like this and my brother's hair are like that, you know, you know, with, you know, our older sons. And so, you know, we have those conversations and they're starting to understand who they are and what they mean in the grand scheme of things. And so, and they're very inquisitive kids, very inquisitive. They ask a lot of questions and why, why is this and why is that? So, you know, we try to do our best to infuse both cultures to them, right? And make sure, and I do my job to make sure that they understand, like, you are made up of these two wonderful cultures, right? You're you're, made, you're both Black or African-American and you're uh, Mexican, right? And so these two cultures came together and they birthed you. And so you have to be able to learn to appreciate both sides, you know? And so they're starting to embrace it. They're still, you know, young, so they're figuring it out. But, you know, my hope is that they can be able to identify and appreciate both sides of them, both, you know, aspects of them. You know, right now they're just figuring out, you know, we got one kid who loves rap, the other one's like R&B, rock and roll, you know, that's who they are. Yeah, it's we try to cultivate a safe space where they can ask questions and inquisit, being inquisitive and curiosity is always something. I'm a very curious person. I, If you tell me something, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to check if it's facts, what you're saying. Like, I'm just that person. I which kind of bothers people because I've seen people get like annoyed with how inquisitive we are. And, but it just helps me find some kind of stability and regulation. Cause I, I got to know what you're talking about. And if you're talking about is true, <laughs> it's facts. Cause the last thing I want for me is to sound stupid or sound like I'm not saying something correctly or that what I'm saying is based on somebody else's opinion. I want to create my own opinion and, because I'm so 
certain of what I know or what I'm talking about. I want to make sure that my friends and family aren't saying ridiculous things or not talking about something that they have absolutely no idea if it's true or false. And that can really bother people because they think that I'm challenging what they're saying. And it's not necessarily that I'm challenging, but I'm like, I don't think that's right. Yeah. I think you're trying to understand too. You're trying to you're trying to gauge the conversation. And that's one thing which is good is that you're listening with the intent to understand. And then in terms of what they're saying, you're trying to be able, so you can kind of reciprocate what it is they're saying. And I feel like that's G. G is very much like that. G, oh, yeah, G, yeah. yeah, he is very. I thought you were calling me like, oh, it's G. Like, damn, that's a G. Like, you're a gangster. They're like a smart person. But you're like, nah. nah <laughs> referring to our offspring. Yeah, Gianni is very inquisitive, very like wants to know, well, why are you making this decision? Where is it coming from? Why? And he's the one that will sit with me and we will have long conversations. We're the one that, and Jesse is too. Like when it comes to, Gianni, Jesse, and myself are very similar in the way that we think and the way we, it has to make sense for us. If it doesn't make sense for us, then we won't even go. We won't do, we won't, mm, I'm not going to go. You know, it's kind of kind of thing. And Gianni's very like, we'll read books on how to control his anger, how to discuss his feelings. We read the book about heaven. We read a book about with Joyce Meyer. He's the one that sleeps to positive affirmations and he'll tell his brother like, you know, Neo, you need to listen to this so that it can help your patients. And he'll tell them, you know, I think it's in the best interest. But he's also our artsy child. And so is Jesse. He's very artsy, very, Jesse's very philosophical. Like he wants to think about the grand scheme of things. Like he's not just trying to understand how you're feeling in the moment. He wants to understand there must have been something that happened to you <laughs> that makes you think in this in this way. And then Sean and Neo and Eric are very like, let's just go. What's the big deal? Like, Sean doesn't want to break down. He just wants to know, are we, okay, we're doing A, B, C, and D. But Eric already thoroughly made the, you know, all the research on why we're going to A, B, C, and D. She actually makes the emotional connection. When she'll give a description it's usually she addresses everything. She's like, no, okay, listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you this story <laughs> and I need you to go with me because this story is going to like, I'm, everything I'm saying is going to be connected at the end, right? And so we'll go through the story and I'll hear about all the feelings and I hear about, you know, the perspective and the vantage points and everything like that. And I'm like... I know. So, he's like seven well, minutes in. He's like, so did you go? Yeah, what happened not? So did you eat the salad or did you eat the hamburger? But you have to understand my state of mind before I decided <laughs> to make The reason this, yeah. I made this choice. I'm like, okay. But uh. do I? <laughs> do I need? And it's so funny because I used to talk to one of my friends that I used to hang out with all the time. And she used to tell me, man, I feel like I'm sitting with you doing the situation that you're telling me the story. I could totally see. I know what you were wearing. <laughs> Why you made this decision? And I actually have condensed condensed it in such a way that I can just say it in three minutes. It doesn't necessarily have to be seven. But which is funny because if you ask anybody who doesn't really know me very well, because I'm also very people wouldn't think this, but I'm actually really shy. And I'm actually like I kind of like rather not, I don't know, like talk or something. If I don't really know you very well, it makes me nervous. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I do have anxiety. And so I get very anxious easily and my thoughts start going everywhere. But so nobody would think of me as being such a talkative person and I'm very thorough and very, because I'm usually like, hey, what's up? Or, <laughs> you know, I'm usually just 
two sentenced answers. And so anyway, but I mean, obviously you got to get people kind of come out of their show when they get comfortable. Right. So I think you, when people first meet you, I mean, people who know you, they'd be like, what do you mean? She's shy. That's not, (laughs) that is not the case. But for, yeah, you know, I think you could be reserved. I think I would say that word. I think you could be more reserved reserved. because, you know, you're, you're still, you know, figuring the individual out, figuring out the situation. And so I think it's very common for people to be reserved and, um, introverted at that time. But once you get to know the person, you know, it's easy for you to kind of just let it go and start. Yeah. No, start you're talking, right. You Actually, know? reserved is probably a better because I'm very observant too. I'm very like, I notice certain things about how certain people move and what their thing is. And mm, do I feel like we're going to connect and oh, I'm going to sit over here. You know, um, I notice certain things and I take notes. Now that I think about it, I would say you are very analytical in terms of in certain aspects, like something like that, you're like, you're like, okay, you ask these questions, like, okay, how are we going to vibe? How are we going to think? You know, what, like, what is your perspective? Or can I feel comfortable around you? To be honest, you? and so that's very analytical in terms of how are you viewing and, and how you're thinking. And so, yeah, you know, you're, I think you're very calculated with that. You know, you're, you're trying to make sure, like, you know, because you have to be in some aspects. You know, not all the time, especially if it's a person that you're not going to. You know, it's just literally high and by or nice to see you or anything like that. But I think you do have to be cautious uh, with certain people that you engage with because you don't know much about them. You're trying to determine, you know, where is this going to fit in the grand scheme of things? If it's just a, you know, a quick high buy, it's not a big deal. But if this is a person that you have to interface with, maybe like a coworker or something like that, then you have to say, okay, how comfortable am I going to be around this individual? And how open am I going to be? You know, because you don't want you. I mean, unfortunately, we've been burned in the past with things like that. So you have to be a little reserved with it. So, yeah, that's a good point, because I think it's depending on the environment. Right. Because at work, I feel like I'm I don't become friends with people very easily. I'm usually I'm there to do a job and I would have friends that would tell me, like, don't make friends at work. And that would make me very nervous because I'm like, well, what do you identify? What, how do you define friends? Like your definition of a friend is not the same definition as mine. For me as a friend, like a coworker can become my friend, but are you going to become my homegirl? Like that's different, right? Because I still have that kind of philosophy and that mentality of like, you know, you're my homegirl. You become like my best friend. You become my comadre. Like that's how we think, right? And traditionally, even culturally, right? So- at work, I can call you my friend. We can go to lunch, but am I going to invite you to my house? Probably not. I'm from, <laughs> it's about, it's not looking good. It's like a 97% chance that I would invite you to my house, but I would invite you to my kid's birthday party. You know, I would do something like that. I don't feel uncomfortable doing that. But I think that's mostly because I'm such an open book and I'm really like, once you get to know me, like I'm a very private person. So when I, once you get to know me, I get to like, if I can be myself, I can say what I want. I could do what I want. I can wear what I want, I could drink what I want. And I'm not going to have any commentary then. And you're going to do the same and you're going to feel the same. Then you and me are going to be like this. Typically, if I call you my friend or my best friend or my comadre, then I really truly like, there's nothing you could really do to you know, sever that unless I have something to do with my kids and my man, then it's like, it's a wrap. And my mom, and it's, it's a wrap. Even me, like I've been, I don't know, like I've been done dirty so much and I can still forgive the person, but. Yeah, I would say I'm slightly different. Like I have a very small group of people who 
I would can say, I would, you know, confidants, right? People that are like ride or die, people that you entrust and you go to when, you know, whether it's you need assistance with spiritual growth or you need assistance with something you're dealing with emotionally or mentally. And it's very few people that I am comfortable with being able to divulge. And, and a lot of times, a lot of, a lot of us are equally yoked. And so a lot of my friends who, that are my core, you know, we kind of are in the same similar situation We're we're dads, we're husbands, you know, we work, we provide, we have a lot of commonalities. And so when we are able to get together, whenever that, you know, time happens, we can, you know, kind of share thoughts, collaborate, feed off of each other. And, And with people like that, that's, that's great. But if it's somebody that I'm interacting at work, whatnot, I'm very reserved. I don't really open up very professional. I'm friendly. You know, I can be, and when I say friendly, friendly, like, oh, hi, how you doing? Okay. You know, this and that. And it's very, very professional, but I don't really open up. I don't divulge too much information about me. You know, I have kids, they know I'm married, things like that. That's about it. Um, So I'm very, I can say I've been working in my industry for over 15 years. I would probably say I maybe have it in 15 years. I probably have two, 20. Has it been 20 years? (laughs) Holy crap. (laughs) 20 years. Jesus Lord. So within that time, I would probably say people who I have interacted with at work, I probably have two people that I can say, yeah, I would consider them a friend. Maybe three. But it's, um, and uh, yeah, you don't have to say anything, you know, to hide their identity, but and with these individuals, we've all have similarities in our life. We actually have all gone through very similar situations, whether it's marriage or kids or, you know, similarities with our parents or things like that. You know, you have that commonality and you can kind of bridge that gap between coworker to friend. But yeah, we're very, very reserved. And so, you know, that's at least that's how I am. But let's go ahead and kind of get into well, I was going to say this was a good segue into our topic because our topic today was about blended family, being a blended family, and, you know, our boundaries, the do's and don'ts. Um, I know we started it with Neo, Geo, Eric and Jesse and how they are, how they behave. And then we kind of talked about ourselves, which is good because it starts to take the direction of, okay, well, how it works for us. Because, I mean, if anybody knows us from the beginning, they would think that you and I were completely opposite, which we are. That's a fair statement. But in, in a lot of other ways, we're very similar. And I think one important piece was when Sean and I started dating, he took a risk, a leap of faith. Courting. Courting, because we were dating with the intention of marriage without the other stuff that comes with dating. We weren't doing secular dating, okay, with us secular dating we weren't doing none of that and that wasn't and which was good i think that that helped solidify our bond our time with god making sure that you and i were not focused on certain things and it really helped with our faith but i think um most importantly was that sean didn't have any idea or have not any idea but didn't have any kind of desire to date somebody with kids and i had two and we actually had a conversation about this recently where we talked about my loyalty to him because I felt like when I came to our church, well, <laughs> when we started going to church, I was really into just 
making sure that I had one-on-one time with God, that I was trying to do my best to be the best mom I could be. I had no desire to date. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't even want to make eye contact. Like I just wanted to go in and do what I had to do and go home. And it took one friend to actually get me involved in some events because I was like, dude, I don't want to be here. I just want to go home. I don't I don't have a babysitter. I need to go. And that's why when we talked about in the first episode, we talked about how we met and I wasn't, not that I wasn't like attracted to you or anything like that. I was, I just wasn't looking for anyone. So I wasn't paying attention what events you were at or anything like that. Just, I was just tunnel vision wanting to be with God. She noticed me. Don't pay attention to that. She noticed me. Okay. And (laughs) yes, I did. Weren't you like, you were like attending all this stuff and you weren't even a member. That's I do. That yeah. I do remember. Like, I remember that, that I do that remember. Was, that was hilarious. <laughs> that was hilarious. Because when did I, I went up there to become a member. She said, wait a minute. You're not even a member? <laughs> <laughs> and I was doing a whole bunch of stuff. I because I had to be a member. Way. I had to do like so many other things I felt like. And and again, like I wasn't part of the church. I didn't grow up in church, I, especially not a Christian church. I grew up Catholic. I went to Catholic school, but we weren't attending church. We, my mom and grandma were not, I don't have a dad. I don't, I I don't have a father. So it was mainly my mom and my grandma. So they weren't going on regular church bases. We barely went. I think we only went on certain days when we had to turn on a candle, you know, like I wasn't, but I knew my relationship with God. I would talk with God. I knew he was there. I knew he existed. So when I came to our church, I was more invested in making sure that I got that relationship with him. I was trying to get what people were getting, you know, (laughs) I was trying to be there. I wanted to get the spirit. I was like, how do I talk in tongues? Like, that sounds cool. You know, (laughs) like I wanted to be part of that. And I remember people being not very nice to me and telling me like, you know, if you dress different, then people would be nicer to you. And I was like, well, I'm gonna wear what I got because I ain't got no money to buy anything else. So you know, especially because of that, I wasn't trying to like step on anybody's toes. But I also learned that that's how the, you know, the aunties of the church, that's how they they thought, you know, they had really old school mentalities. And so it wasn't offensive. I think they were just trying to like pull me out of my, you know, whatever they thought I was coming out of, you know, yeah. so I wasn't offended or anything like that. So going back to what we we're talking about, I did remember like, when we started dating or when we started talking, I was like, you know, I have two kids. And <laughs> you were looking at me like, I know, I tutor them, you know? And I was like, oh yeah, I totally forgot. And so I, I think that's what started it was you trusting God because that forever in my heart, like that loyalty that I have for you is I'll forever be trusting to not just God, but submissive to you because knowing that, and I can say submissive, feeling safe saying that because my husband doesn't expect me to, when he comes home for me to be barefoot and pregnant on my knees and, you know, bowing to him or washing the floors yeah, when he gets here and making tortillas when he gets home. Like, it's not it's like nothing that. like that. I'm submissive, meaning that I trust that he puts God first and he connects with God before he makes any major decisions yeah. for our family. It's nothing like that. Like I, when I, when you say that and you think of submission, for, you know, all my nerds out there, you know, I think of like Superman 2 with Zod. He's like, kneel before Zod. It's not like that when she comes in. It's more, you know, she... I don't I, even know what that means. Yes, it's, it's, trust me, you can Google it. It's hilarious. But I think it's, she is submitting to my submission to God, right? And my constant need to go to, you know, my source 
for advice. Just like everybody else, I'm trying to figure this out. This is it's, it's nothing that I have a handle on. So I'm constantly trying to be the best person I could be based off of who I know my creator has created me to be. So I think that's what it is. Now, it's not always easy. Right. So just to go back to that, like the where the connection was when we became a blended family was the fact that I wanted to make sure that I did everything I could to make sure to take care of my kids and to be one with God, because what I thought was going to be for the rest of my life was just me and my kids. It was going to be Eric, Jesse and I, and that's it. And when we met and you were so, gosh, he was, I can remember our first, one of our first dates was just talking. We just talked and well, we both had no money. So we just talked. That's all we could do. And <laughs> talk Because it was free. Yeah, it was free. And our second date, we watched one of my favorite movies at the time because it reminded me of my sister and I loved my sister so much. She, it was uh, The Wedding Singer. Oh, I love that movie. And we were watching that movie, but we watched maybe 10 minutes of it and we just continued to talk. And he would ask me about my kids and how much, like what was going on because I was in a bitter, bitter custody battle with their dad and I was going through it. And my family had sided with his family and I was alone and I was fighting for them we can get into that in a different podcast, but it was my belief. Like I knew God was going to bring me my kids back because the reasons were not true that they were keeping me on that I couldn't get full custody. And so my belief was going to get them. And Sean was like, oh yeah, we're going to get them. And he, it was always like, we like, oh yeah, they're coming. Oh yeah. Like he, and I don't know if he went back home. He was like, oh, damn. <laughs> like, oh, like, oh, man, this girl. <laughs> that was a deep conversation. I don't know. Or he was like, I don't out. know what's going to happen with your kids, girl. <laughs> like, I don't know. But one of the next dates, he brought over his guitar hero. And and one of my account, because at the time we had accountability partners. And one of them was who I considered like a brother at the time. He was there. And... <laughs> Sean walks in with like his whole PlayStation in his hands and he's like, let's play Guitar Hero. And I'm not into any kind of video games. And he sat there and he played with them for at least four hours. Like they had a blast and they played other games. It wasn't like, I'm going to woo this girl. Let me, it was like he was having the time of his life. Like he was enjoying it and the kids were enjoying it. And that just made me realize like, wow, like, I don't even remember having experience like that before you, you know? And I felt like when, like in my previous relationship, when it was the four of us, it was all about like him, what he needed and our relationship. And and I just wanted my kids. I'm very like into my kids. And so just to see someone come in and just, and like organically and authentically and truthfully really enjoy time with my kids was, that's, you know, I was like, oh. I think I'm love. Just to give you some context as well, I also grew up in in, in a blended family. Like you know, my stepdad was uh, was Puerto Rican, and I grew up in Oakland. So, and you know, we're African American. So, I had the ability to kind of navigate those waters at a young age. The cool thing about it was that my stepdad never forced us to be like, I'm you know, I'm your dad. You need to call me dad or anything like that. He was very very okay with it and and, and cool. So I. I used to just, you know, call him by his first name and, and whatnot. But there was a, a level of respect that I have for him for doing what it is he did to be able to, you know, kind of raise these three kids um, to the best of his ability. 
So when I did, you know, start uh, me and Erica started to court each other, it was interesting because there is a level of, you know, you get kind of nervous because, you know, Erica had kids, you know, and then also there was another level, like she was very focused when she was coming to church. And, and I, I told her this as, as well. I said, what intrigued me about you from other people that I interacted with was she was focused. I came, she came to church for a reason to get connected with the Lord. And then she was out. Like that was it. She was in and out. And she was like, I'm not trying to do all that. Like I'm focused on my goal is to, you know, to be with my kids. My goal is to establish our relationship. And and I felt like, wow, you know, this is a woman who's focused. And so when we did start to, you know, we're recording, we're dating and we had those conversations, what made it so interesting was I felt like I was getting to, to know, you know, peel back this layers of her life and get to the core of who she is and understand that connection that she had and why her kids uh, were so important to her and you know what it is that she's went through in her experiences and the things that have led her to that point. I told her this as well. I felt like God allowed me to see her through his eyes. And I think that was what was important. And I think that's what, you know, really established the bond that I had with hers because you know, to me, she was walking on water and a lot of stuff that she was doing. She was, you know, living by faith with the expectation that she would be able to get this. So it was really through her faith that allowed me to believe that the things that she was saying was going to come true and they were going to be manifested. So when she says, I'm going to have that relationship with my kids and we're going to be living together and we're going to do it. She was, you know, committed to that because she believed exactly what it is that God had already showed her, the vision that he had given her. So I can feel that through her. So it wasn't a big deal for me to say, oh, 100%, I see it. 100%, like I can see this this happening. And this is something that I believe for you. And they were great kids, you know, but I also had to navigate those waters because I've never, you know, I knew for a fact that when we would get married, I would be, you know, become a dad instantaneously, you know, so being able to adjust to that and figure out how that is in the dynamic that I wanted, you know, and then I have to kind of go back to my childhood and say, well, you know, I don't want them to feel like, hey, you know, I'm your daddy now, you know, it's not nothing like that, but I want them to, there to be a level of love, respect, um, and admiration with each other and be more of a partnership, meaning like I'm not here to control you. I'm not here to impart authority over you. I'm here to be a source of friendship, a source of knowledge, a source of wisdom. And we can navigate this together, you know, because I don't have the answers. I'm trying to figure out, you know, I met Erica, was Erica Jesse at 11 and 11 and nine, or it could have been sooner than that. I can't remember. I thought it was like nine and six. No, nine. No, they're two years. They're two years apart. So then it would have to be Maybe Jesse was, it could have been. Maybe 10 and eight. No. Yeah. They were still fairly young. So. I forget that you knew them before we started dating. Yes. So when we started dating, I think there were 11 and nine, yeah. but you met them earlier. Than I mean, that, I met right? them earlier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was the thing. So. And I think the most important piece of that was, so one of the things that I made sure we were dating and then we got engaged three years later took a long time for Sean to finally propose. No, just and <laughs> I was broke. when we get <laughs> That's why. Like when we finally got engaged and we started looking at houses, we got a house early. And it was in January. Our wedding wasn't until July. And Sean was like, well, we can live together. There's four rooms. Eric and Jesse will have their own room. You will have the master room and I'll take 
the side room. And I was like, okay. So we started signing the contracts. And then... That started. The contracts were signed. We had signed the contract. (laughs) We had signed the contract. And I kid you not, like 12 hours later, I was like, I can't do it. And he was like, what? And I was like, I can't do it. And he goes, what do you mean you can't do it? I said, I can't move in with you and we're not married. And he's like, you got to be kidding me. And I remember he didn't talk to me for almost a whole day. He said, so what do we need to do? I said, we have to get married. I can't be in a house with my kids with a man that I'm not married to. Because I had so many boundaries and I had in place so many expectations for myself and for our relationship that I didn't want to break a promise to my kids that the next man was going to be like, I promise he's, a you know, he's not your dad, but he's a good man kind of thing. And, and I think I put the pressure on myself more than them. They were like, okay, you know, like, and so I told him what I needed to do was to get married. And so that weekend, that following week, as mad as Sean was that following weekend, he was like, okay, let's do it. And we went into our bishop's office, I think immediately, right? Like that day. And he goes, you want to get married now? And he goes, you're pregnant. And I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh girl. <laughs> He's like, well, why do you want to do this? And I said, I just, I can't. I made a promise to God. I made a promise to myself. I made a promise to the kids and I can't go into a home and not be married. And he was like, oh, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. You little hussy, you've changed your ways. <laughs> no, no, he didn't. It's a long like, time from, what was it, <laughs> apple bottoms you, you know, yeah, he was so funny that day I'm too. So like, So we go into his office and we set up the date and all that. And so it was like the week before we're going to move into the house. And Can I give you some context on that of why, which kind of, because I, we brought this up before and it's... Did we say it in the last one? I don't know if we said it on the last one, but just it, it's a brief context. Was I upset? I was upset because you, you know what it reminded me of? Uh, what we said in The Wedding Singer is like things you could have told me yesterday, <laughs> <laughs> you know, after we did. No, but a part of me felt like, well, wait a minute. Like, I, you know, this isn't what we talked about. This isn't what we agreed on. You know, why is it changing now? Yada, yada, yada. Right. And so and I felt like, well, you know, hey, that wasn't that wasn't nice. That wasn't cool. So I had to like, talk. He thought I was like setting them up. Like I did. I, I was like, like wait a minute. Dude, like, what happened? What? So I had to, you know, I talked to my best friend, you know, Marcus, and he was very you know, he's pretty straightforward. He just like rational. He was, I was like, hey, yeah, man, you know, she told me this and this and that. You know, and she was like, well, we got to get married. And he was like, okay. Like, so then why don't you get married? I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? And he was like, well, you're going to marry her anyway. And he was like, you love her, right? And I was like, absolutely. And he was like, okay, so then what does it matter if you get married on the wedding day or you get married now? She's expressed to you how she felt. And she told you the reason why she felt, felt has felt the way she, you know, feels. So if you think about it, you think of it logically, you know, hey, then just go ahead and get married. It doesn't matter. I mean, you know, it's, you know, you have to look at it. And for some reason, I clicked. I was like, okay. And just so, you know, just so people know, Sean doesn't like change. He doesn't like shifts. So if something was already planned in a specific way, and if there's minor tweaks and, you know, he's okay with it. But there's going to be a whole different change and shift. And now you're moving and grooving to a different beat. He is not having I'm it. I'm flustered. He, I'm discombobulated. Yes, he gets very confused and he will throw a tantrum. And then it's not like a physical tantrum. We're like, dude, chill. 
he's taking in like this mental tantrum where he's like, what the heck? This is not what you said. What you trying to do to my life? You know, mentally that's, and he just shuts down. So really I was just making sure we were right with God because we had come so far and we had worked so hard and I just didn't want something to just dismantle all that. What could have, you know, because anything could have happened. Anything could have slipped up, which was great because soon, (laughs) six months later, we had right after we were actually uh, married in January and the babies were conceived in June. Yeah. So you can imagine the honeymoon. (laughs) Anyway, that's all different podcast. But so just to reconnect about the boundaries with being a blended family. Understanding the love my husband had for my kids was amazing prior to, you know, being together. And I know not all families are going to have the same, the same backstory, but to make it even more connected for our family, Sean had really, really clear boundaries on what he was going to do and what he was not going to do. And one of that was parent in such a way that he had to become authoritative or be the authoritative figure in their life. He wanted to be their mentor. He wanted to be their guidance counselor. He wanted to be something that they can come to. And he was very clear on saying they have a dad and I'm not trying to be their dad. Whatever relationship they have, they have. And as angry as he would get because it was lackluster, their relationship with their dad, Sean tried, he did his best to keep his comments to himself and he would pick up the pieces and he would take them because he wanted them to be happy. And that's the difference. He didn't scold them. There was times that, you know, especially when they were teenagers where they would be disrespectful or rude to me. They were never outright disrespectful or mean to Sean, but they would be disrespectful to me. And Sean would have to step in like, hey, dude, like, what are you doing? You know, and that would have, I can count on one hand when that happened. And I was never like a damsel in distress. Like, I think sometimes he had to pick me up and grab me and put me in the room because I was like, you got me confused. Like, (laughs) I will. I will whoop a grown man. Like, it's not a problem, especially if he's my son. Because in my eyes, we always talked with Eric and Jesse. If you're going to talk to me like this, you're going to think it's okay to talk to your wife and the mother of your children like this. And this that's not okay. Because I'm your first interaction with a woman. And so that's how we really moved in that way. That's how we made sure that Eric and Jesse understood that it wasn't just a sense of respect to their mother, which, you you know, we are taught to have a certain respect for our parent. But it was more about having a respect and a love and a, and a protection-like mentality toward the woman that you love, mm-hmm. right? And it starts with your mom. And so when you find your partner, then that's what you're going to carry on. And we make sure that they wa- they rock in that same way. It also, just to quickly interject, one of the things is I didn't do it, right? So you don't see me yelling or screaming or doing that with your mom. So it's not going to be tolerated if you do it, right? And so I think Erica hit, hit the nail on the head. Like, you know, your first interactions with a woman is through your mom. And so if you don't have that respect, if you don't respect your mom through that level, through that lens, then you won't, you definitely or not going to have that respect for And vice versa, right? Yes. If that relationship is toxic, like if I'm behaving in such a way that is toxic to my child and my my child is now acting in a disrespectful manner, I cultivated that energy and that environment where that is okay. And so I try, like I'm on a whole different pissed offness. <laughs> That's about the only time <laughs> that I get hood on you. Like, I guess, right? Like I get 
upset, but actually like it takes me a while to get there. Like, because I know, I know how petty I can be and I know how sassy I can be. And I know that I have zero boundaries when I get to that place. So I try not to put hands on nobody. I try not to put you in your place mentally, physically, verbally, because I can give you a whole new complex just by a couple words that I say. I've studied it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's also not helpful, right? It's right. Not, yeah. So I don't. It's not going to benefit me, right? And so, and I love my children and I love my husband. And so, so what we try to do was ensure that we created that boundary, that safe space, that love, that where they could always come back. And that was one of the things that Sean taught me too. And he goes, no matter what, I want our home to be a safe place. I want my home to be peaceful. And if anything is causing it for it not to be peaceful, I want it out. And mind you, I never knew what that was. And I don't know, I didn't know that you can create such a beautiful environment because for me, everything was always chaos growing up. And my sister and I would count on each other to try to create like this peace because we were always in and out of somebody's house. We lived with my grandma. We lived with my mom. We lived with my aunt. We lived with my uncle. We lived like we were always moving around. We never had one place to call home and we never had somewhere that we can come home and we were we had a meal and we were hugged and we were made sure that we were okay and we made sure that that the kids had that no matter how mad we were yeah it's such an important thing and to go back to what you were saying about peace is because it wasn't just a physical peace it was also emotional and mental and spiritual right like we always taught them how to pray how to pray and how to to be able to address those issues but you want the home to be a safe haven from everything from the ways of the world right and it wasn't just with the kids it was it was with both my wife and myself like you should be able to have a home that as soon as you walk in those doors you can be breathe, you know, a, a sigh of relief to say, I feel safe. I feel comfortable. I feel, and that's the whole. All your basic needs. All your basic will be needs. Met, and you will have a sense of autonomy, feeling special. Mm-hmm. At least I feel that this home has been cultivated by love, you know, and anyone who comes here and they stay here for a significant amount of time, they'll you tell be you. taken care of. Yeah. yeah. And they can feel it. And sometimes they don't want to leave. Yeah. You know, we try to get them like, out. Mm, but, yeah. I'm going to need you to go. That's the essence of what we want like we want this home to be a home and we want our kids to feel like they're safe here and you know and so and we want to feel safe here we want to feel protected here we want to feel like this is our kingdom and nothing can come in and penetrate that and so that's my hope is to cultivate that now i mean there's times that you're more successful than others to do that but that definitely was something that i wanted in our home That was so important, too, because I didn't know what that was. Like, you know, men came and went. And so when I didn't want Sean to go anywhere, but I knew like in the back of my mind and I can confidently say a majority of wives have like, oh, I have a backup plan. If you leave and it's not necessarily like I'm going to have this dude. It's I got a little savings. I'm going to get a spot. Don't trip. I will never be high and dry ever again. And that I didn't want that. You know, I didn't want to always feel like I needed to have that. And I can honestly say after 10 years of marriage, I no longer, well, <laughs> like three years, three years in, three years in, I never felt like I had to do that. Have like a safe account or something in case something doesn't happen. But in addition to ensuring that there was a safe environment, Sean was really, really adamant to make sure that he got along with their dad. And so he would, even in awkward situations, and it wasn't until like six years in where the kids were already like grown. We didn't have to be at parties anymore. We didn't have to mingle. 
I mean, we shared birthday parties. We shared, I think, holidays. Like we did a lot to make sure that everyone was blending. And and to this day, their dad's wife, I adore her. Like he married a good one. Like I really love that girl. She's a good woman. And it's funny because my birthday is April 9th and her birthday is April 10th. So we're like very similar females. And the way she loves my children is she's a good girl. So that was one of the things ensuring that no matter how he felt of what he could have done differently as a father to these kids, he ensured that that never created a boundary between the two of them, you know, because people move differently. And you guys are both Tauruses, which is funny because you guys both move very different when it comes to parenting. And at least Eric and Jesse, I don't know how he parents his other six children, but he has eight. So I don't know how he does. He does that. But he with these two, he made sure that he we even babysat their kids so they can go on a date. I believe so. That was another thing. Like he gets along with their dad very, very well. I get along with most people. Very, very well. That's not easy to get along very well or purposely, meaningfully, right? Mindfully create a relationship, especially dudes. I feel like you never know what another person is dealing with or is feeling or, you know, how they feel about, you know, you raising their children and things of of that nature. So that can always be, you know, awkward. But to me, that that wasn't necessarily important. What was important to me is that whenever I would speak to Erica Jesse, I would always, always make sure that they cultivated a relationship with their dad, regardless of how they felt at a particular time, because I knew the importance of it, right? You know, and I had established a relationship with my father later on in life. And it was really through that grace that I was able to do that. So with Eric and Jesse, I wanted them to also be able to establish that relationship with their dad and to have a great relationship with it. And so it wasn't a big deal for me to say, hey, we can coexist. We can, you know, um, go to these functions. We could do these things together, you know, for the betterment of our sons to make sure like, hey, they can see that this is something that we're working towards, you know. And um, to me, it's all love. I have no issues, no problem with that. You know, my thing is just to make sure that those boys are good. I mean, I think those are the strong steps and do's that we did to ensure healthy relationship. And then the don'ts, I would say, was we don't fight in front of them. I think we've raised our voice and they've heard us maybe once because I remember having this conversation. Sean was like, I don't want them to ever feel like they have to defend their mom because that's going to shift our dynamic. And that, too, was I never punished them. I never spanked them or put them on restriction because that's also going to shift our dynamic. That's what I do not want to happen. And another thing, he never leaves them out. Like, even with them being 25 and 22, he's like, oh, no, they're still coming on family vacation. Because it's so important for us to have family vacations, to reacquaint ourselves, to reconnect. And I'm very blessed to have a husband who's like, I want to ensure that they see the world the same way we see it. First class, all the way. Like, you know, everything is, which is wonderful because they got to see life before God, you know, when I raised them and I was not doing too well. And then after, and what a beautiful life we have now. And it's only getting better. And how, when we first started traveling with them, what we did then and now how we travel, you know, because that's hard work. That's the fruition from hard work, dedication, determination, right? Grit and tenacity. And so I think that's important. The don'ts of ensuring that they're not left out, 
they're not feeling inadequate. They're not feeling that they're not biologically yours. When we started this podcast, we had a talk with them and we were like, you know, we're called Team Blanchard. Does that bother you? And they were like, no, I'm Blanchard. I'm Team Blanchard. I know when Sean says Team Blanchard, I'm part of the Team Blanchard. Does it bother you? <laughs> I was like, uh, no, <laughs> it bother me. So that's, I think that speaks for itself, right? How hard you've worked and how much work you've put into ensuring everybody feels like a unit here, babe. Thank you. I try. All right. Well, if you have any questions or comments, I think that's it for today. Just ensure that you send it to us either through Facebook or Instagram. Or if you see us, you can ask us a question. We'll write it down. So you can go to Family Unlock on Instagram. And we have uh, the Blanchards. Just go to Instagram for right now. Family Unlock. Facebook is Family Unlock too. Facebook. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Facebook oh, I think is. it's Sean and Erica. Yes. Sean and Erica. But we'll update that. That's if you one. know us, you know us. If you yeah. see it, just, just go. <laughs> Drop us a line. Um, feel free to ask questions or if you have some comments. Yeah, we would love to have questions. You can be featured in the next episode. Yeah. And address any comments that you may have or like, you know, if you have questions about, you know, maybe something that you're dealing with and you kind of want to get, you know, our perspective or vantage point of it, we'll be happy to, you know, address those questions in a future episode. All right. Thank you so much. And we will see you at the next episode. Take care. Peace.